Hey, Mystic Witches. Today we have Carrie Hummingbird, a shamanic healer and award-winning author. She is certified in energy medicine by the Four Winds Light Body School and as a spiritual coach by the Artist of the Spirit Coach Training Program and Heather Ashamara. Carrie is an inspirational speaker and international best-selling author of The Second Wave, Transcending the Human Drama. Welcome, Carrie. Hey, thank you for having me on, Blue. I'm excited. Me too. So what is the magical tool you use the most often and how do you use it? My magical tool that I use the most often is despacho. And it's a practice that I learned from the Caro uh, people in Peru, the medicine keepers there. And uh, it's a practice that I use on the full moon and the new moon to uh, create a little prayer bundle that I release with fire to spirit. And in the prayer bundle, I put in all the things I'm ready to release. I have a reckoning, you you would say, um, at at the moon cycle. And I put in everything I'm ready to release. And then I put in my hopes and dreams and desires. And then I release it all to spirit and allow spirit to create Aini or a right relationship. And so that's my... That's my magical practice, and I do it on Facebook, so you can always join in. (laughs) And what is it called again? Despacho, so D-E-S-P-A-C-H-O, and it's not Gaspacho the soup. (laughs) It's Despacho, and it's a prayer bundle, and um, it's, it's really called that because after you finish creating it, you dispatch it to spirit. You either dispatch it through burying it in the earth or you dispatch mm-hmm. it through, you know, putting it out on some water, like if it's biodegradable or you burn it and give it to fire. I mean, I guess you could even like hang it in a tree. You could do all kinds of stuff, right? You could. That's not how they do. That's not the traditional way, but, um, <laughs> You know, um, us people in the West, we do things our own way, don't we? (laughs) Yeah, I always like to learn the fundamentals of a thing and then break the rules and make it my own. I'm terrible. Yeah, become creative, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just, you know, so it's my personal thing. Anyway. (laughs) Personal practice, yes. Personal practice. That You just said, like, two of my favorite words. That's what I literally say to my students in a tarot class for most questions. It's a personal practice because the questions are always like, well, how should you shuffle and and should they pull the cards or should you pull the cards or should or should I should I? And you're like, it's up to you. Do I read towards me? Do I read towards them? Guess what? But, Doesn't matter. <laughs> what you're touching on, and I love that you teach tarot, is you're really teaching people how to tap into their own intuition and their own higher power, which is guiding them on their journey. Instead, you know, and I know that you also serve people in the capacity of, you know, getting readings and things like that. So it's, I do the same thing. I straddle both worlds and, you know, in, in some way I channel for people um, guidance and I'm all I'm doing is listening, you know, to what they're, I could just hear better because I'm, more quiet now. But um, I also teach people how to access their own intuition. And that's what people really need now, because guess what? Like we're all having a unique thumbprint journey, you know, like we're in these, these thumbprint suits that are completely unique that have like unique glasses (laughs) associated with them that are like, you know, perspectives that maybe we'll have a little Venn diagram overlap where we can understand each other, but the rest of it, you're on your own. Like I have no idea what spirits got in store for you, you know? So I think it's great that people learn how to do it for themselves. Is that what you mean by the second wave, the title of your book? 
Yeah, the second wave is actually, uh, yes, it's like an awakening in consciousness. And and more specifically, um, the second wave refers to the people, the souls that came to this planet from around the galaxy that are, you know, have a little bit more mastery in other dimensions and potentially even on the Earth dimension. They came here to be assistants during the second wave. And these people are, you know, people that are sort of um, got a lot of lifetimes of skills that amassed that are actually ideal for being help, you know, during this time. So those people, um, you know, you just sort of feel like you have a call to purpose and it's really big and it's important and you need to do it like now, but you maybe not know what it is yet. Um, <laughs> or starting to wake up to it, but like there's a sense of urgency. That sense of urgency. It's so real. <laughs> so real. And, you know, you might feel like, wow, I've got these gifts, but I've never shared them with anybody because I kind of doubted myself. You know, now's the time to stop doubting yourself and read the book because you'll go, wait a second. You know, a lot of times second waivers also have gotten plunked into family lines where there's some ancestral karma. There's some really bad patterns um, of behavior. And um, that was on purpose. You know, we signed up for that to heal it from the inside out. And because earth is a planet of free will. And that's been a particular problem in a way on the earth because for the, for the galactic people, because we just can do whatever we want. And so because of that, we're not really, um, good citizens, you know, out into the universe. So, um, there's a lot of karma on the planet that is unresolved. And so what's happened is that, um, in order to heal the planet, uh, volunteers have had to actually embody in order to heal it from the inside out. Whoa. And, um, you know, the person who really uh, first um, had the downloads about all this stuff is um, is Dolores Cannon because she, um, you know, she's got these books like Convoluted Universe and all this kind of stuff. So if you look up her books. If you have a hard time getting into it, you're just not ready for it yet. And I actually am not either because I haven't read her books. But, <laughs> but <laughs> my friends tried to voice it on me a few times and I was like, not ready, not ready. But there's, um, she actually invented this technique called quantum healing hypnosis technique. And um, during this technique, she's able to bring people into a really deep state of hypnosis where she can access their soul self and ask a bunch of questions. So that actually is a thing and you can go get one if you want to know like a lot of deep stuff. Um, but the thing is that uh, on that, um, that hypnosis technique, she started uh, having people say things like, oh, I'm part of the first wave or, oh, I'm part of the second wave. So she started actually interviewing and questioning people about this. Like, what is the first wave? What's the second wave? Are you part of it? And so she realized that there was actually waves of volunteers to the planet. And there's a book that she has on Amazon that's about the three waves of volunteers. So if you're interested in that, you know, that's for more information on that. So my role, which I only recently found out because my soul is super clever and only tells me exactly what I need, exactly when I need to do it. <laughs> um, so I found out that I actually am guided by White Eagle, who is uh, Ascended Master of Awakening through rainbow light consciousness. And so now I wrote this book called The Second Wave by channeling it, um, listening and channeling, which was a new one for me. I hadn't done that before. So that was released in July and it's like eight over 18 weeks now on the international bestseller list on Amazon. It's obviously making an impact. Yes. So I have a question. I was just, I was telling you earlier that I was having a conversation with my mom and she and I were discussing the importance of changing the family story. And it just, in that moment, I felt like 
that was relative to ancestral healing as well. Because in my in my opinion, the universe pays more attention to actions than words. And you know, if you let's for say for instance, like you decide that you're no longer going to allow people to walk all over you, and then you let people walk all over you, the universe <laughs> is like, got it. You have no value of self. Okay, got it. And then you keep attracting those same people, right? Well, you keep getting the same lesson. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, you stick to your convictions and the universe is like, great job. We're going to send you some higher quality. (laughs) So anyway, (laughs) and so we were talking about the importance of changing the the family story. Do you feel like that is relative to ancestral healing? And is that a good example? And are there other examples you could give us? That's my favorite topic right now. So (laughs) yeah, I love it. Actually, that's ideal. You actually have a mother who's wake awake enough to go, we should change the family story. (laughs) It's like, So beautiful. I can't say I'm enjoying that experience right now in my own family, but what I can say is that, um, yeah, we are healing the ancestry and, you know, the more of us that can get onto that, that, um, understanding, we can work together on it because where two or more are gathered is a powerful place of transformation of the energy. So if you have two people in your family, both agreeing that the dynamic needs to change, then it's going to change tremendously because the two of you are embodying the same DNA strain. And then you're both agreeing that things need to change. And the story that we tell about something is extremely powerful. And especially depending on your human design type. So like if you're a manifester by design, which I am and my mom is, Mm -hmm. then the story that you tell has a huge impact on other people who are manifesting generators or generators or projectors or reflectors. Like the story that you, that you sort of like coax people into is the story that either liberates them or, or imprisons them. So, you know, as um, certain, there are certain human design types that you, you have a particular responsibility to be mindful with your gifts and how, you use them in your family systems and in your, in your, you know, work in the world. Mm, Yes. Okay. So now you have to tell me all about projectors and generators and regenerators. What is that? Well, there's a whole lot. Oh my gosh. We would be on this call for a long time and I'm not an expert in human design type. I just know um, from enough study of it that it is very powerful system for helping you to identify the aspects of yourself so that you become more aware of what your soul incarnated here to do, which clarifies so many things and makes it less of a guessing game. So you can actually get, uh, my favorite one is at humandesignforall.com. That one is uh, Chetan Parkins' work, and he's got a great understanding of it. He's got a little app you can download, and it's just really helpful. But um, I just know because I'm a manifester by design, and manifestors by design, there's only like 8% of the population. There's even fewer reflectors and projectors. And most of the population is generators. Generators have a hard time sort of initiating things because they need to be invited by someone. And mm-hmm. a lot of people are generators, which is, you know, for a manifestor or a manifesting generator, you might be frustrated. Like, how come other people just can't get off their ass and do it? Because they can't. They have to be invited. They really can't. It's very hard for them to do it. So, um, 
these are all really good things to know about, you know, it helps you in your relationships because, uh, you can understand, like, if you're comparing yourself to somebody else and you're like, why is it so hard for me to do this? But my brother or sister can do it so easily. Then, you know, if you look at human design, you go, oh, I didn't sign up for that challenge. Okay. So I have to be with who I am and how I operate and things will go smoother. And so it's just a tool for helping you do that. Oh, so it's, Basically just embracing the reality of this, this meat suit in this lifetime and what you chose. Yeah, thumbprint suit. I like to call it thumbprint suit because I asked my guide (laughs) one day, uh, Blue, I was like, okay, White Eagle, you want me to go out there and tell everybody that everybody's equal and everybody's unique. How am I going to do that? They're not going to understand that. Good point. You know, he said, okay, so look on your thumb. (laughs) I was like, yes, I have a thumbprint. And it's unique, right? Yes, it is. And that means you're in a unique thumbprint suit that has, that actually the body itself, that that thumbprint is actually a code that um, your whole body has a code that is your uh, life's journey imprinted on it. Like your blueprint is actually on your body and the thumbprint is like the code. So, so forget like, about palm reading. We should be reading thumbprints. I think you really should. And there's actually somebody that does. There's somebody oh. that reads thumbs and fingers what? too. Apparently it's all, yeah, there's a whole thing about that that's emerging now. So like it, it actually is important because you can find out like, and I have not had my thumbprint um, read, by the way. I haven't explored <laughs> that far yet. But, but I just know that it is a unique design and that um, it's imprinted on you. So you're going to have that journey whether you want to or not. And you're in the suit. So once you're in the thumbprint suit, there's no escaping from it. You know, like you're in it. And you, <laughs> and you all, it comes with a special lens, like through which you see too. So you perceive according to the thumbprint suit. If you slid out of this thumbprint suit and slid into another one, you would immediately know, oh my goodness, I perceive so differently from this thumbprint suit. And when you shape shift as a, as an art, when, if you have that gift in your, in your, you know, your sort of soul ability to shape shift, it becomes really clear that people do see in incredibly different ways because you're able to shape shift into other people's perspective, which is an extreme form of empathy. And you can kind of get lost there and forget who you are. So shape shifting is a skill that you actually need a lot of support with to get grounded and shielded and you know, really tune into your own station and not like leave your body to go shapeshift. But anyway, that's a whole other topic. But yeah, (laughs) like you can become aware of other people's perspective that is radically different and they actually believe it because they're seeing it and experiencing it and feeling it inside their thumbprint suit. It seems really real to them. So yeah, like you can't convince them it's not real. It is real for them. I love that thumbprint suit. I'll probably continue to say meat suit just because it's Awfully crass, and I love it. <laughs> um, so you you do work with mystics, right? Can you tell us in what capacity you do that work? Yeah. So what I do is I help people to turn into their own station and to learn how to access their own intuitive channel. And part of that is keeping it clear because if you're not clear inside your body, inside your energy body, you get really convoluted signals and information and it's sort of like a lot of static on the line. So I teach people about um, energy body 
maintenance. I'm trained in that from the Four Winds Society. And so I teach people how to clear their chakras, how to discern in, you know, in relationship or discern inside their minds, like what is me? What is not me? Who is this voice? What is this other thing? You know, is this energy mine? Is this belong to somebody else? Is this Where beneficial? were you when I was learning? I, yeah. Well, I was learning alongside you, sister, because you're also here for that. So <laughs> We were learning together separately. So, yeah, so that's what I do is I teach people because it, you know, I had a very um, rapid awakening. It was only like eight years ago that I started this path um, of spiritual awakening. Before that, I was really unconscious, you know, and doing a lot of unconscious things on purpose. Me too. You know that I was too. Yeah. I was having quite the journey, but a lot of us older souls that came to the planet at this time, we chose to have earth amnesia. So we'd really immerse in the human experience and understand it from the inside out and then have a rapid, quick awakening, get through all that stuff really quick and, you know, be to the part where we can be in service right now. So that's basically what it is. That's a great explanation that resonates and feels like exactly what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Not everybody understands that. So you know, there are people who are very um, attached to their earth paradigm and lineage and the the sort of story, um, you know, because really it's a story we've been all telling together. We've been around the campfire telling stories and the earth story has been going on for thousands of years now in a certain way. And we're about to flip the script and have a whole different story. I remember I was uh, walking in nature one day and um and I heard, I was talking with the great spirit, I great spirits like Carrie. Um, I, <laughs> I don't care, you know, all the world's a stage and we are truly just the players and um, no more tragedies. That's all I ask. Like any other form of entertainment is fine with me, but <laughs> just no more tragedies. It was like God's <laughs> request, you know? <laughs> so please help me out. And I was like, he's like, surprise me or she, you know, it was like, surprise me. And I said, okay. Um, you want me to surprise you. That's a good one. <laughs> okay, I'll give it a whirl. So, you know, so anyway, so I feel like, you know, we're flipping the script on earth. A lot of us have come together to go, all right, we're going to, we're going to make a whole new script for the age of Aquarius. And we're going to talk about different things. And so training mystics right now is essential to that transformation because, you got to become aware of the story you've been operating in so far, your family story, your societal story, the human story, in order to be extremely effective to liberate yourself from the conditioning so that you can tune into the clear station of your soul, which has way better instructions for you than whatever has been happening on this earth paradigm. And that's how we're going to really flip the script into the age of Aquarius. So it's important for mystics to get training in how to get rid of all that conditioning and liberate their creative artistic, you know, soul selves, like in the body on earth at this time. Do you think it's very important for all of these mystics that that you're working with to access the Akashic records or past life experiences? Do you think it's important to know the past or do you think that this work can be done without accessing those things? You know, it really depends on your attachment to knowing the details. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, you can open, you, you know, everybody here has the ability to open the Akashic records for themselves. And that has been unlocked for the earth at this time. My friend, Lisa Barnett, who also contributed to my book, the second wave, she actually, um, 
has been instructed by the the keepers of the Akashic Records to teach people how to do it for themselves. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine, you know, all the Akashic Records people are like, no, you know, like, don't take away my job. But the thing is that you're, it's not going to be taken away because a lot of people still want it, their hand held during that process. And the other thing is a lot of people still want to be witnessed in their stories. So, you know, that profession is not going away anytime soon. As a matter of fact, it's going to expand because more people are now waking up and realizing, oh, I might have some junk in my trunk that I need to clean up if I really want to step into the age of Aquarius, you know, like I got to clean up that junk in the trunk, you know, like I need help doing that, you know, but yeah, you can also just, you know, be ruthless and which is, I've kind of adopted a little bit of ruthlessness with myself. I think largely because my soul is pretty ancient and wise. And it's just like, you know, screw this stuff. We're going to get onto the party, you know, <laughs> like I want to get there quicker. So I don't need to review every last detail. So, you know, basically, um, there's, there were some big things that needed cleaning up. I definitely, definitely tender moments experienced from the inside out, all of the pain and suffering of that. Um, like, um, my biggest one was, um, my Cherokee lifetime. I was a, I was a Cherokee chief, peace chief on the Trail of Tears, and boy, that was very painful. And especially feeling the guilt of having been responsible for guiding my people in a way that then got everybody, you know, a lot of people killed and losing their homes. So I had a lot of guilt over that. And I processed a lot of that um, in this lifetime at the big, you know, really at the beginning to middle of my journey of awakening. And yes, so it was very tender. It was something I explored intimately. Um, it was very... Um, you know, very emotional. So I allowed that to, to be a part of my experience because it was necessary to honor it by, by witnessing it and by experiencing the pain that, you know, that wasn't able to be expressed at the time, but I had to go back and feel it now. So that is one example. But then beyond that, that was my significant, you know, thing. And there were some other few things, but that was the, the major one I was really needed to resolve. But then there's a whole bunch of other little cleanup things. Am I going to sit there and feel every single one of them? No, not really. Not if it's not necessary. I basically, like, spirit of death, help me release all the baggage in my trunk, you know, like basically over <laughs> again, you know, and you will know if it's not released because the person in your life that irritates you the most is that karma connection. So you don't know if it's not released because that person will push your button again. and will go, oh, damn it. I still have more work to do. So, you know, I, I don't think we're going to escape the work and we'd also don't have to torture ourselves by, you know, dragging ourselves through the mud. But there are some experiences that are tender that you'll feel, merit, um, you know, more honoring. And so I would look at it more like that. Ah, uh, gotcha. So really kind of depends on, it's a case by case. It is. It I think on a so. few things. Yeah. If you're just, and you know, sometimes if you're like, just get rid of all the junk in my trunk, I'm ready to be free. And you do the spirit of death thing and you're like, get off of me. And I release you and I forgive it all. And then if it's not really true or it can't be done that way, and that's really a spiritual bypass, then, you know, your guides will let you know because you'll end up with it right in your face. Yeah. And I think that's probably the benefit. Like, I feel like you've removed the detritus. Of anything. Well, that's, this is also coming from someone who's two degrees Aries. And so I'm like, truth, 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 truth. What's the <laughs> truth? <laughs> like, just tell it as fast and concisely as possible. It's the only way in which I am concise is when I'm just truth telling. Um, yeah, well, your throat is activated. You're a messenger. So, you know, <laughs> your throat chakra is the big deal for you this lifetime, as for me. And so, yeah, truth is, is the meter because we need to speak it. So we need to access it quickly. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that's why we both talk for a living. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
exactly. We're messengers. Let me fix my voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me just, let me empower my voice again and connect it back to my heart. I mean, my, so much of my journey is about like healing my throat chakra. Yeah. Same, 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 same. But then, you know, also it, 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 it never just feels like, oh, I really wore out my voice. There's definitely another layer. Like we have to evaluate some of the things that were said to these clients, uh, we have to take another look at what was repeated multiple times. Cause we've talked about this before. Um, you know, the collective tends to have repeating messages and it does shift over time. Um, and so there will be like a, a common theme, you know, every few weeks or so there's, there's like a shift in the paradigm of like what's coming up in readings for pretty much everybody. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I experience that a lot. I find myself to be um, a direct um, guinea pig for the, for the, you know, collective experience. So whatever the collective is experiencing, it's happening in my own life. So I can be intimately aware of it. And then whenever I, I learned about that, cause I started sharing on social media, like what was going on for me. Mm-hmm. And so many people started saying, Oh my God, that's happening to me too right now. Thank you for sharing this. I started realizing, Oh, I'm some kind of guinea pig. So like basically <laughs> if it's <laughs> happening to me and I go and share about it, then other people are like, yes, that's happening for me too. And then I'm like the voice for the voiceless, you know? So <laughs> I'm just surrendering to that. Nice. How does it feel to know that that's your purpose, that you are the voice for the voiceless and that your job is to speak? Yeah, I basically tune into the, I realize that my personal experience helps me tune into what's happening in the collective. And then when I share it, then everybody has a big purge and release because they're being validated and witnessed. And um, I have to say that it has been a journey because um, I had to first start realizing I'm not special, you know, like as special as I am, I'm so not special. Like everybody's experiencing something similar. And, you know, so that kind of helped me with my egoic uh, attachments. But also it is interesting because I'm also a healer. And so I find that what happens a lot for me is that um, I end up processing things through my own um, experience or through my own embodiment that, um, you know, is really larger than me. Like if I have a plant medicine ceremony, there's a good chance I'll be crying and all kinds of crazy, you know, uh, purging or whatever else is happening And it's way beyond, you know, me, like my life is not that screwed up. So I started realizing I, wait a second, like I'm actually processing on behalf of a lot of people, stuff that they can't face. So occasionally I get resentful about that, but for the large part, I just surrender to the fact that this is my design and it's what I agreed to because I'm obviously capable of it. So I just kind of go, all right, that's just what I'm here for then. So be it. Awesome. So a lot of your journey has been about acceptance. Yeah, it's acceptance and also um, realizing, like flipping the script on a lot of things. Like my journey has been about, um, you know, turning upside down world right side up. Because, for example, um, you know, I had the idea that I was the crazy broken one in my family for a long time. And actually, I'm not. I am an old soul that went through a very difficult experience in order to heal my family ancestry from the inside out. That's flipping the script and turning the upside down right side up. 
So um, it's just, my whole journey has been about those aha moments and those like flipping the script, you know, turning things right side, you know, taking the paradigm that's going on and going, no, that's not exactly correct. And finding a better way to talk about it or a higher way to talk about it. So that has been my journey really is, is realizing um, that I'm embodying the shift in human consciousness, actually, like in my own way. And I think we all are embodying that in our own life journey. And so I am, I'm simply a messenger of that experience to point it out so that other people go, oh, that's right. That's what's happening for me. So I think that that's my role. And, and it's, you know, it can be really fun. Like I enjoy, I know you enjoy having your show. I enjoy talking with people like you and connecting with people like you. And that's the fun part. I get to have the juicy fun part of that. And I get to have these amazing healings I do for people. And I get to teach them cool concepts and have the light bulb go, go off of their head. And, and that's really juicy and exciting for me. And I also get, you know, to process a lot of hoochah for other people. And that's not so exciting for me. So there's a lot of, you know, there's ups and downs and goods and bads in every life journey. So I do think at some point we have to um, say, well, this is what I signed up for at the soul level. So I must be capable of it. And this must be what I'm here to do if I keep getting the message over and over and over and over and over and over again. (laughs) So I might as well do it, you know? So I think that's I guess yeah. this is my job. Yeah, I guess this is my job if it keeps coming to me again and again and again. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes things are just obvious, too. Uh, I'll tell a story. For instance, last night I have this standing um, event that I, I read in this hotel lobby twice a month. And, you know, they, they pay me really well. And I just sit there for an hour and read for the hotel guests. And it's always really fun. I meet really great people. My first client last night um, staying in the hotel, uh, she works in hotels and she asked me, she's like, you said you're here all the time. Do you happen to know like what mattresses, um, that they have? Because what I wanted to get a reading on was that the fact that I have nightmares all the time, but I've been here for a few days and I haven't had a single one. And that's very unusual. And I was like, whoa, we definitely need to find out what this mattress is because sleep is very, very important. And it's for, you know, for mental health, spiritual wellness, all of it. And um, then the third client was the mattress supplier. And so, wow. And you don't she, make this stuff up. Yes, exactly. And she particularly uh, is in town to talk to other hotels. Uh, but she really wants to do international hotels, and that's what the other lady does. So, <laughs> no kidding. Right. So I'm like, okay, stop right there. We hadn't even done the reading yet. The third, the third client. I was like, hold, hold on. We're gonna. I had to introduce you to somebody right now. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was very cool. And I was like, and sometimes this is my job. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes that is your job. That's exactly right. Yeah. Is you get to, you get to be the dot connector. I also find myself as a dot connector as well, like pointing things out that people aren't seeing in the synchronicity. And then they go, oh, that's what that means. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> <laughs> listen, I did, I was there myself. So I don't want to sound, you know, I don't want anybody to think I'm like arrogant or something. Cause I'm not like a totally, oh my goodness. Like I, I actually didn't get it so often that White Eagle was my guide after like incredible synchronicities that finally, um, the week before I published my book, The Second Wave, I did a plant medicine ceremony and White Eagle finally just sat my ass down and was like, listen, (laughs) 
just going to connect the dots for you right now because you're not getting it. Bam, 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 bam. It was like a life review. It was amazing. And I was like, thank you so much. The relief. It was like, oh, <laughs> that moment. And then he says, you better put my name on the book because nobody knows who the heck you are. You know, so, <laughs> okay. So, you know, this can be really helpful. Like I get to do that for other people. White Eagle did it for me. You know, I'm really grateful. So I just think we're all sort of in this frail human experience um, that's temporary and we're doing our best. Some people are a little more tied to their earth story, like you were saying before. Yeah, some people are really tied to their earth story. You know, I think I was telling you before the call that um, that I, I lead this uh, Facebook group because I'm here to like help people to expand into their earth experience spiritually, right? Connect with earth consciousness. And so I used a term that a lot of people fling around and use. And I thought, well, that's the term people are using and that's what they know. So I'll just use that term. And the term is shamanism. So Mm -hmm. I just had it learning shamanism just to be really clear. And that recently has just turned into a huge explosion because people feel it violates their, you know, family history and like all these generations of being a shaman and am I claiming to be a shaman and all this kind of stuff. And I finally just got to the place, Blue, where I was like, you know what, let's just not use this word. I mean, you know, in my perspective, you know, every single human born on the earth is born, you know, the earth is, is our, all of our mother, like we are all born of earth. And so she's our mother. We all have a right to connect with our mom, you know? So like how you do it is individual in my view. It's personal. It's a personal connection to the earth. And I want to facilitate people learning and having a safe space to grow into that personal connection with the earth. Because some cultures, you know, if you're in the Western mindset, you might have lost touch with it. You might have not had somebody in your family teaching you. You might have gotten like kind of disconnected and off in a room and on a computer and, and, and not know how to connect with the earth now. And so my goal in creating this forum was to give people a space to share with each other different ways that they've learned how to connect with the earth. And even, you know, not to exclude people who are traditional shamans, but, you know, I don't want the dialogue about like, oh, I'm better than you are because my family has been doing this for generations. You know, like don't point out that somebody's family got disconnected from the mother for five generations or 10 generations. That's really hurtful, you know, help connect people back. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, uh, there's so much political correctness around uh, using indigenous cultural terms. I I think the terminology could maybe use a little love. Uh, and I think it's a conversation that's a hundred percent worth having. There may be a different word for it. Yeah. And you know, I got to tell you like the amazing relief that people experience when I teach them a simple thing, like how to open sacred space and call in the four directions and call in, you know, the earth and this moon and the sun and the stars and the great spirit, like that simple prayer people experience amazing safety, protection, a feeling of belonging, like the whole world changes from that simple prayer. Mm -mm. It belongs to all of us. And, you know, I would think, you know, the Carol shamans um, that I studied with, uh, their teachings, and they're from the Andes Mountains in Peru, and their perspective is that, you know, we want 
Western people to be reconnected with Earth consciousness because that's the only way we're going to start really taking care of the planet again is if they mm-hmm. realize this is their mother. So you don't want to stand in the way of that. I mean, I, you know, my family ancestry has Cherokee as well, and I feel the pain. Believe me, I healed my Cherokee chief. It is not easy. It's extremely painful. Mm-hmm. And guess what? If you're a wisdom keeper and you've been given that wisdom and you've been practicing it all this time, then you're being called up to a greater level of service by the great spirit to now give what is painful to give level of mastery. I understand that that's not what the conversation is is about. It is about uh, the trauma. It is about retribution never having happened. And I think that that is crucial. If you already understand the layers, why is that an issue? Why is this something that you would take issue with? Unless you don't fully understand it, you know? Unless you don't. And also we make a lot of assumptions. We make a lot of assumptions and say, if somebody is in an indigenous body, that means that they understand all these things. We need to realize the same thing. We all have multiple lifetimes and we all have different soul ages and we're in a one room classroom. We have like infants all the way up to elders in the same classroom wearing the same thumbprint suits or meat suits, as you call it. And it's hard (laughs) to tell from the external view how old somebody really is. So to assume that somebody's in a meat suit or a thumbprint suit that's indigenous right now, therefore they know all these things, that is a faulty assumption because they very well might be experiencing karma and they might be like a, a settler you know, for example, a Christian settler that caused all this strife, they might now be in an indigenous body to experience the opposite. So you can't really make that assumption that everybody, just because they're in brown skin, understands, you know, what's going on. I think we need to look at things from a bigger perspective and see that the skin that you're wearing right now is temporary. And there's a larger self that is the soul that is multiple lifetimes. And we want to honor that, you know, people in their current journey for what they're experiencing, because it's very real. If somebody is signed up to be in an indigenous body right now, they are experiencing the suffering of all of their line of, of physical ancestry. Like they're experiencing in their bodies. It's a very real suffering. I, I would not take that away and say that diminish that at all. It's mm-hmm. extremely real. And we need to, you know, also come together at a higher level and realize that we're all We're all here on earth and we're here to flip the script now. I mean, my guides keep saying, close the book of fate, open the book of destiny, close the book of fate. Like we're closing that chapter. We're opening a whole new chapter now where we're going to step into a different game together. Yeah. You know, I think that's a really important discussion about, you know, this, this terminology and the political correct correctness. And I think the conversation does have to continue. Um, but we'll have to do that another time. I look forward to that. Me too. Um, <laughs> More conversations. Yay. <laughs> so, um, can you tell us what kind of events you have coming up? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am currently running an online game that people can participate in. I'm doing it several times. Um, You know, you can just check in to see when the next live one is. It's called the Love Mastery Game, and it's my own Oracle game, Blue. It's so fun. So um, that is going on periodically. And 
I'm going to have a lot of appearances coming up in the spring 2020. I've got, I'm going to be in Mountain View, for example, at East West Bookshop. And I'm going to be up in Dallas at, um, at uh, another bookshop, another metaphysical uh, shop. And so, you know, there's lots of things on my website under the events tab, uh, carriehummingbird.com events. They change all the time. So, um, yeah, I can't, can't remember all of them right now, but they're all up there right now. And um, and if you come to Austin, you can walk on fire with me. <gasps> That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, so come to Austin Blue. Come to Austin. <laughs> I'm actually possibly going to Austin in January. Yay, come to Austin. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Carrie. This has been amazing. Thank you for having me. It's been incredible. Stay Mystic Witches. Yes!